It's time for another hour of Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries, Thursday weekly discussion with Thomas and Denise. We are the walkers, inspiring souls and removing the mask through the word of God. Join us as we discuss biblical topics with a life applicable approach. We talk about biblical topics such as marriage, purpose, loneliness, family, salvation, forgiveness, holiness, and so much more. We also have inspirational books and poetry that we expound on during our weekly program. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries and join our Anchor Podcast channel. And now join us for another enjoyable evening. God bless. Amen. God bless and thank you all for joining us today. My name is Elder Thomas Walker. My wife, Minister Denise, she is away on assignment. And we pray that all is well with her and the endeavors that God has her um, on assignment to do. We thank God for another day. We thank God that everything has has been great um, today and thus far. We believe that all is well with everyone that joins the call today. And we know that it's not a, a, a mistake and it's not just happenstance that you joined us today. For we are so happy that that you can join us. And I'm so glad to see Miss Keisha join us today. I'm so happy to see you. And your hair is beautiful. I love your hairstyle. It's great. It Thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Everything is good. Um, just happy tonight. And um, uh, the next chapter in the book that we are discussing is uh it shouldn't be in the church and um i really pray that you all take the time and and download the book is via uh, audio book or you can do it via kindle or you can purchase it online and it's available at walmart I believe it's in Target and a few other uh, big box stores that you could uh, order from. So I encourage you all to just uh, take the time out and, and download it and read it. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of information that people know and it kind of it, it refreshes what you, you believe and what you think. And it's some information in the book that uh, some people might not know, and which would very, which would become very informative reading for you, especially regarding your faith and what you believe in, and who Jesus is, and the structure of the church. And so, all of that information, I believe, is relevant to our faith and why we believe and what we believe. And tonight's discussion is what we're talking about is called false teaching uh, or false teachings. So it's plural. And it means, you know, it's very near and dear to um, my heart. And once you begin to read uh, that, that chapter in the book, it'll really start to... Uh, open your eyes a little bit to the, the things and the areas that surround you. And I'm not talking about in the book, uh, a specific person, 
or a specific church. I'm not talking about a, a specific denomination. I'm not talking about a, a specific um, um, worldview. I'll put it like that. What I'm talking about in the book is the spirit of false teaching. So with that being said, I want you all to understand when we go through the, uh, the points of interest um, during this discussion, to really kind of picture in your mind the spirit of what I'm talking about as uh, much as or more than the person or the persons that you may have encountered in your life. Because we all know that, that the spirit of a man is what drives uh, their motivation. And the spirit of a man is, is what motivates them to do certain things. So with that being said, you know, talking about false teaching tonight should be something that no one should get in a place, get um, offended by or feel as if someone's talking about or against something that they're, that they have learned to love and endear themselves to because it's not the religion that we're talking about. We're talking about the relationship. So we have to always uh, keep that in mind moving forward. And I encourage everyone that are avid book readers or people that like to take the time to do research and talk and discuss things, you know, look beyond the, the wording and find the context of what a book is trying to say, the background, the interpretation of it, what it it truly meant to the writer when he wrote the book, as opposed to, oh, he said this, or he said that right out the door, and then a person kind of gets in their feelings about it. So, you know, I, I want you to know that everything that's written and the book, It Shouldn't Be in the Church, the saga continues, is a book of love and a book of empathy and a book of, of compassion for each person that believe and profess a life in Christ. It's important that we understand that um, as you read this book, because it's not a, it's not a, I'm going to jump and shout and I'm going to feel good when I read it and you go, you're going to start speaking in unknown languages because it can touch you deep down in your spirit. It's a book that asks questions and, and it, it poses uh, areas of discussion to where when the topic comes up, you will have something viable to say, or you would have something to discuss with other people um, because it's relatable to their circumstance or their situation that they had or have or are encountering at that time. So I want to say God bless you all and thank you all for joining with us tonight. And I'm going to open with a word of prayer before we start in. Um, Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you, Lord, for Keisha joining us tonight and her family. We thank you, Lord, that you have been such a great inspiration to each of us. I ask you, Lord, to give us strength, give us guidance and 
and give us courage to continue to move forth, to proclaim the gospel, the good news that you died for our sins and you rose on the third day and you are the son of God and you have all power in your hand. And we believe that you came to redeem and save us from our sins. So Lord, we accept you as our savior as we continue to move forth. And we pray that you decrease the inner man, the natural man in us, and increase your Holy Spirit in us as we continue with our discussion. These are all the blessings we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So tonight, what we're going to talk about, like I said again, uh, false teaching. And a lot of people, we hear those words very vehemently in the church circle, or, or like I call the church circuit. And some, some of them are very offensive when you hear it. But you have to understand why it's offensive to some and not offensive to others. And it might be offensive to others in different ways because maybe they have become affected by the false teachings or the spirit of the false teacher um, that has uh, attached themselves in, into your lives. So in this book, it's a section that talks about nothing but false teaching. And there are so many invaluable points of information that a person can gather from it and out of it when you read it. I'm just going to touch on some parts. And mind you, like I said in the beginning and in the introduction, please um, take to mind and, and take to heart the spirit of what I'm talking about, not the person or the place or, uh, that, that you may have encountered or, or experienced in your life, but the spirit that, um, that has guided you to those situations and the circumstances that cause you to, to be aware of what's going on. <clears throat> so with that being said, false teachings are destroying the hope of a better existence in Jesus Christ. When we think of false teachings and how it continues to keep us trying to earn our freedom through works and submission to the power of man, we can see the evidence in the church, the temples and the parishes that false teachers are not preaching about justification by faith or hope is our greatest weapon against people, places or things that try to hold us in legalistic bondage. False teachings has substantially destroyed the body of Christ and ravaged the foundation of Christianity until irreconcilable proportions. The Bible did warn us of this impending catastrophe and how it would dare to destroy the integrity of the called out believers. In Matthew, the seventh chapter in the 15th through the 16th verse, it plainly tells us uh, these times when it told us that uh, we have to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. So I'm going to stop right there. That's one of the, the points of interest that I want to talk about. 
<clears throat> and we have a few subtopics, uh, points of interest relating to false teaching. Now, with false teachers or false teaching, you know, it has destroyed the very existence and, and the foundation of hope in the body of Christ. And the reason why that is important to, to note is because when false teachers are allowed to, to start their own church, when they're allowed to start their own denomination and they're allowed to start their own network or conference, you know, you have to think in terms of when the false teacher uh, is is gathering all of his what they call team together, what they're doing is they're they're uh, uh, projecting. They're projecting their spirit. They're projecting their uh, ambition onto those people that that they have. Um, influence. And you have to understand that. That's why I say it's the spirit of a false teacher. See, a false teacher comes in different ways. There could be a false teacher that comes that it has a meek and mild and gentle spirit. There's a false teacher that will come with a harsh, brash tone, and they would always talk condemning towards you. And there's this other false teacher that'll come, and they would come in flamboyance and charisma, and they would look like you know, they just, they, they got a, a, a diamond in the back, some rooftop, digging in a scene with a gangster lean. <laughs> you know, they come out all pimped out, you know, and, and they got the rings on and they got the, the, the big old hats on, tilted to the side. And, and you know, they stepping out of the car, they got the $3,000 suits and, and all of this stuff going on with them, you know, and people look at them and they say, wow, this guy or this female really looks good, you know, and the outward appearance, like the Bible says, you know, they come in sheep's clothing. I mean, they dress part, they dress like they wealthy, they, they, they put, put on the persona that they have it all together. See, that's that spirit in them. See, it's not them, you know, because you don't know what their, their past was like before they came to that type of person, see. But see, their spirit may not have caught up with the Holy Spirit, but there's a, a, a influence in them that still has that assignment and attachment to the world, you know, because if you ever listen to some of the false teachers, and I'm not talking about certain people, I'm talking about the spirit. When you ever listen to them talk uh, uh, in the pulpit, they always start talking and bragging about, yeah, when I was in the world, I did this and that, that the other, and I, I was a pimp, I was a player. Oh, yeah, the, the, the devil sure had me, you know, I was this and that and the other, but the Lord changed me, right? The Lord changed me. He cleaned me up, right? And, and he says those things, or she says those things, but you see them, you know, they still have the outward appearance. Uh, that they're still there. They still have the flamboyance. They still have the stilettos. They still have the splits all the way up their leg. And they still have the, the outer garments that make them still look like they're still part of that, that atmosphere in that world. So now 
that's the outer part. But see, that that's what draws people to them because, you know, how could they look so good? How could they look so great like that? How could they look so fashionable like that and, and say that they are men and women of God? Well, it's possible. It's possible for that to be, you know, but let's look at the spirit of a person that looks like that. You know, because I'm not I'm not Pentecostal in no sort of way. And, and, and I'm not the type of person that will tell a person that, um, oh, um, you don't have to dress like that. You could dress modestly. You could do those things in moderation. Yeah, I believe that a person could, can dress in moderation. But I'm talking about the spirit of a person, the spirit of that false teacher or, or, or that's coming into the world to, to, to talk to other people. See, when we're talking about false teaching and their, their, their persona that they're drawing out there, see, they're influencing, they're influencing people with the look first. Now, when, when they get your attention, See, you come into the fold and you begin to talk and you begin to dwell with them and you begin to see how smoothly the, their tongue and their, their, their mannerism and everything glides them through every situation, you know, and that's that, that's that, that's that influential spirit that uh, some people call a bell, a ball spirit or a Jezebel spirit, but we'll get into that down the road. What I'm talking about is the, the outward appearance. Like, uh, remember we said Matthew 5, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, 15 to 16. We get sheep's clothing, ravenous wolves, you know, that night and day type of scenario. Now, when false teachers come, it's their spirit that people uh, see because they're influenced by the flamboyance or they're influenced by the wording or how they say their words or pronounce or enunciate their words to the place where they really sound as if they're really educated. They're really learned. They really know how uh, they have proper etiquette, proper grammar and, and all of those things because that's what they want you to see, the sheep the sheep that has been groomed by the Lord, but has been groomed and fashioned by the Holy Spirit. And, and they are walking into the, the, what they call the anointing and they have the, 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 the drenching of the, the Holy Spirit all over them. And, and the look, now we're talking about the look. Now, when we start talking about the actual talk, we, when we actually start talking about, you know, the word of God in them, when we actually start talking about biblical interpretation, when we actually start talking about how they uh, interpret the word of God, how they uh, uh, look to the scriptures. I mean, you see the, the nuances of uh, some false teachers are, they don't always tell you the whole scripture. They put a part in that scripture that they want. <laughs> that they want to use to get their point across. And see, that's one of those things that you have to understand about uh, false teachers is um, that's what they, they would do, you know, or they would say the scriptures so fast until, you know, they'll be like, and the word of God says, um, 
can obey them to have food over him. You know, but I know that. Praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> you don't understand nothing he's saying. <laughs> That's why the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved, you know, and need not be a worker ashamed. And that's what we have to do as, as believers in Christ, as modern day believers is more prevalent than ever because false teachings and false teachers are so rampant out there because they have the ability to do two certain things. They have the ability to do their research on YouTube and they had the ability to Google. Now, I always get on people about using uh, Dr. Google for remedying them, remedying them themselves when they're sick. And, and Dr. YouTube or Pastor YouTube, when somebody's on YouTube, expounding on the word of God. And their ex expository uh, understanding of the word of God, it might be truthful in a lot of ways, but it could be uh, different in most others. So that's why when you're listening and you're hearing certain things about for, uh, that could be the truth, but it's certain little things, just like uh, Satan said to uh, Eve, he said, oh, God did not say you could surely die. <laughs> you know, he threw that little, that little spin in there. And so you have to be uh, um, cognizant of those spins that false teachers and false teachings uh, present to you. But how could you know those things if you haven't been uh, studying, if you haven't been led and guided by the Holy Spirit, when you haven't been fasting and seeking a, a personal relationship with God, you have to do those things because if you don't do those things for yourself, the false teachings will come in. Now, my next my other point I made was false teaching has substantially destroyed the body of Christ and ravaged the foundation of Christianity until irreconcilable proportions. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, that's not true. We go to church every Sunday and we feel the fresh anointing is there and beep, 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 blah, blah, blah. You know, and, you know, that sounds good. And when you're in that conviction, that is great because you know that you know that you're saved. You know that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know that you know that you are saved and you're filled with the spirit of God. But false teaching has caused so many people to leave the faith. Believe it or not, they're leaving in droves. They're leaving by the thousands, by the millions. Although some are coming, they're just as much equal leaving as they are coming. And the reason why is the false teachings have, uh, have caused subjugation. They have caused, they have caused um, erroneous uh, submission to uh, what they call authority, spiritual authority, when um, I, I have always been under the impression that, that what Paul says, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, where that liberty means that you're no longer under the law. Yeah, but then if you're under the false teachings of subjugation, like where the difference between, you know, you obey a person and you submit yourself, those are the two words that a lot of false teachers like to use to maintain 
uh, a grasp. They try to say order and they try to say we have to have accountability and we have to have order. Well, yeah, that's that's true. But isn't God uh, 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 is not the author of confusion? Isn't that enough? Isn't the Holy Spirit a comforter to lead and guide you into all truth? Why would you need the false teaching of a false teacher to tell you, you have to submit to my rule and what I say? And then what, 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 what really gets everyone and which people should pay attention to is when that person or that spirit gets in front of the congregation and says, if you don't like it here, you can go get your own church or you can go get your own ministry or uh, you can leave. Now, right there, I have questions for because if the Bible tells us and Jesus says there was a certain man that had 99 sheep and one was lost and he went and found that one sheep, why are you person, <laughs> individual, <laughs> Uh, spirit uh, 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 telling that person to leave. Now, is that godly? Is that in the realm of sanctification? Is that in the realm of holiness? Does that work in the spirit of, of righteousness and holiness according to the Great Commission? The Great Commission says, go and, and, and tell everybody about Jesus Christ, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But yet you just told somebody in your congregation because your spirit got riled up. Now, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit draws. But that other spirit that, that drove that person away, and you're telling that person, you got to go, because right now we have a conflict of interest, because you don't agree with what I'm saying, and because you don't agree with what I'm saying in the house of the Lord, that we're all supposed to be called out believers together. You know, uh, we're supposed to be on one accord with these things. Now, the one accord goes both ways. Now, you can't be on one accord with only your cord sticking out there. We both got to have a cord going back and forth. It has to work this way. It has to work that way and then work this way. See, and what I learned is the spirit of the Lord works vertically. And then it works horizontally for us leaders because we have to get the pull down from God first. And then we have to stretch it vertically, uh, I'm sorry, horizontally uh, to the members so that they can grow and go and grow. And that's how you know that you're in a place that's being led by the, the Holy Spirit because you see the evidence of, of growth. You see the evidence of, of the refreshing uh, anointing on everybody, see, because it, it has to come from the leadership first. The leaders, you have an important role. And I read this, this book that was very, uh, by, by Gail Johnson, and, and, and she really articulated about the shepherds, the sheep, and the great shepherd and the sheep, and how that authority of we allowing God to be the head over who we are at, as leaders and as shepherds to lead the sheep forward. And if we don't have that, 
If we don't attain that in our hearts, because in our, the, the spirit only going to come out of us, that's what we put in it, what we fed. And if we're not feeding our spirit with the right essence of holiness, the right essence of sanctification, and the right essence of who the Bible says Jesus is, then we are, we are subject to being hijacked. I'm going to say hijacked because when false teaching start to take its place and start to permeate in a person's life and they are in leadership, what happens, they become influenced. They become influenced by uh, different teachings and different thoughts because the pastor YouTube and Dr. Google, see, they'll start doing their research and start clicking and clacking and, 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 and you know, instead of trying to spirit by the spirit or um, knowing a tree by the fruit it bears, see, they would start entertaining different things out there in the atmosphere that talks about different other things that sounds close to the truth, but it's not the truth. See, I'm not talking about I, I'm not talking about doctrines. I'm not talking about all of those things tonight because it's not about that right now because each one of us that, that profess to have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is showing how you walk. It is showing how you talk. It is showing how you lead. It is showing everything that you do because it's not just a Sunday turn on and everybody jumping a hook bucking and doing all those things. And then uh, a Sunday about 10 o'clock, it turned back off. And now you're ready to go back into, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Hyde again. You know, you ever seen the movie Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Some of us have that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, the spirituality, because on Sundays, we're Dr. Jekyll, we could come there, we we smart, we can feel the spirit, oh, and, and, and everything. But Sunday night at 1030 or 11 o'clock, when you lay your head down, that Monday morning you wake up, you miss the hide all over again. <laughs> you cursing people out. You got your 40 over here. You got your black and mild right there. And, and you gone about your business, you know, or you done call up so-and-so such and such. Hey, what you doing, girl? Come on over. Or, hey, dude, let's come on. This, this. You know, those things. God doesn't want us to be uh, uh, examples of that in this earth. And that's the spirit that, that, that has assigned themselves to the false teachings. See, the false teachers, what they have done in the false teachings, they have gradually learned how to take one or two scriptures. And by them taking those one or two scriptures, they have formed what's called a doctrine. And like last week, we talked about the doctrines. We talked about how the Quakers didn't like certain things about uh, uh, Protestantism. So they took a, 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 a portion of a scripture out and they formed their own doctrine. And what a doctrine is, is a belief or a set of beliefs held by an organization about the best or right things or ways to do stuff. So doctrines reflect the culture of an organization and the staff's understanding of how those beliefs relate 
to their roles and responsibilities. So, okay, now, those doctrines are, are the things that once a false teacher or someone that's in that, um, in, in that capacity decides that they want to build their own church or they want to build their own uh, network or they want to build their own denomination, what they do, they would go into the word of God and they would say, okay, now here's a, here's a, here's a good one right here. Now, I know some of y'all are going to get mad at me when y'all hear this, but it's, uh, it's the truth. And I'm only going by what the scripture is saying. And when you read this scripture, you know, um, then you'll understand where I'm going from. And now here, right here, Acts, the second chapter, first through the fourth verse, it says, whereas, and it says, uh, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, a lot of people have taken Acts 2, 1 through 4, and have built a, a, a conglomerate of different uh, uh, doctrines and movements from it. But when you begin to read deeper into it, when you begin to understand deeply into what that scripture was talking about on the day of Pentecost. See, the day of Pentecost, as, as some people may not know, it was like the, uh, of a celebration, an Old Testament celebration that the people had always, uh, the Jewish people had always adhered to. But also there was other countries and other nationalities that came to celebrate, just like when we have like uh, 4th of July day here in America, you know, it's not just the American Indians celebrating 4th of July or just the Black Americans that celebrating uh, uh, the 4th of July or the, the white Americans and, and European and Chinese. And, it, you know, it's everybody that, you know, profess to be Americans, they celebrate that independence day in some shape, form, or fashion. So in that same context, there were different other nationalities and races there. And, and, and on the day of Pentecost, the disciples was in the, in the upper room and suddenly a Russian mighty wind came. You know, I can imagine during that time, it was some time had passed, passed uh, the, uh, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So they were all sitting around and they were probably sitting there like, I still believe, I still know Jesus. I still believe the teachers and they were reminiscing about Jesus and they were all on one accord laughing and talking and it's in great spirit of how good the Lord Jesus was on this earth and how they saw him raise uh, and ascend to heaven. And, and they were so happy and they knew that he was coming back and they were just rejoicing and happy and glad, you know what I mean? They were all on one accord with that, each one of them in there. And then suddenly, 
the, the, the sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house and all of them, you know, they, they began to feel the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that engulfed them and inflamed them and it just it involved them his, it, themselves in their lives and back in their heart and gave them a refreshing spirit, a refreshing anointing, you know, in their belief. You know what I mean? And when that happened, when that happened, they all rushed out <laughs> and they started to tell and proclaim to everybody the good news. You know, I want to tell you about this man that I used to know a long time ago. His name is Jesus. He died. I saw him perform miracles and he's the son of God and he's coming back and he's going to save all of us and he's our savior. Yes, I saw him perform miracles and, you know, but one thing that that was uh, the problem, <laughs> and, but for the Holy Spirit and for God, it's not a problem because all things are possible. See, there's different nations and different nationalities that were there. See, they had to get the gospel too. They had to understand what was, they were rushing out of the room to tell them. So the the, the speaking in, uh, in other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance were the languages of those different people, were the languages of those different countries that came there to celebrate the Pentecost at that time. So when they ran out there, they started talking in those people languages because the Holy Spirit had indwelled them with that gift. See, now, I know a lot of people say they began to speak in, you know, the, the, the language that a lot of people here nowadays that uh, uh, Paul says you have to have an interpreter, and I agree with. But for that instance, in that time, at that moment, that was the opportunity for Job two twenty eight. He poured out his spirit on all flesh, and 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 people began to to be filled, and 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 they start to accept the the words that the the. the uh, that the, the apostles and the people in the upper room came down and start sharing the gospel of who Jesus was. Because you have to understand, if you look at the context of when Acts was written and in accordance with the time of Jesus' death, it was maybe a few years after that. So people had went on about their business and Rome has already been doing whatever it's going to do. And, and the disciples, they went on back to their regular lives because, you know, they were still being persecuted. See, they were still hiding and they were still, you know, looking around the corner and people was like, that's that Christian over there. <laughs> you know, and they even were really ridiculing the, 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 the believers in Jesus at that time. And that's where the, the name Christian came from called Christ ones. So I talked about that last week. So you have to understand the background and how all of this kind of played its part into the upper rooms uh, uh, sequence, because now the, the spirit filled them and the Holy, the Holy Ghost began to speak through them in the other languages so that they can go out and tell what their experiences was when Jesus was there, when Jesus uh, performed the miracles, when Jesus died and they saw him uh, resurrected. See, nobody probably had remembered that. It had passed and went and gone or whatever the case was at that time. So when that fresh anointing came, on them, 
they had to renew it. <laughs> he renewed the spirit within them, the right spirit within them. Because, you know, they, they may have been sitting down there scared. They may have been sitting down there like, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to another country. I'm, I'm, I can't deal with this no more. Yeah, Jesus is gone, but nobody's there to take care of us. And we have to take care of ourselves, you know, because that's the carnality of man. That's the carnality. See, you got to understand before this carnality, uh, this transformation and, and on the day of Pentecost, they were they were not filled with the Holy Ghost. They were not filled with the Holy Ghost at that time. So they didn't have those things to really lead and guide them and structure them and keep them going, you know. So when this happened, it renewed their strength. It renewed their faith. And they went out and started talking about Jesus. And, and the, 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 the scripture goes on to talk about how they thought people was drunk. And they thought these people came, the, these men was, were drunk. And somebody said, they're not drunk. They, they just filled with the spirit. And I'm paraphrasing this because I'm trying to put it in the context to where when we are talking about this day. We're not talking about uh, the language that a lot of people are professing that that, that is um, the evidence of, of being holy or being sanctified or, because some false teachers have built their faults, their, um, they have built their religion or their faith um, on that spirit that you know these are the evidences just like just like the uh judaizers of paul's day you know they wanted to incorporate well you is more than just a belief you have to do this you have to be circumcised and then you have to do these things you and now they're putting all these rules on the believers of that time when paul only said all he had to do believe and he told that vehemently that believe on the Lord Jesus. Now, there's another instance where uh, Peter had to get them straight. He said, you have to believe uh, uh, and be baptized in Jesus' name. Now, a lot of people have taken that context into a whole different realm because you see what you're seeing that's happening is a schism is happening um, within the Bible, within the structure of the called out ones or the, the, the Christ ones, because one says, okay, you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Then you can be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then you have some people here says, you don't have to be baptized at all, because that baptism is baptism unto repentance. So all those three things are going on now in the midst of everything that's happening. Now, the spirit of false teaching is grabbing a hold to all of the people that want to believe, that truly have a desire to live for the Lord, that truly have a desire to understand the word of God and the righteousness of it and, and the beauty of it to live a holy and sanctified life. Now, when you have these different spirits that's coming in and they're teaching, you know, different pull out here and pull out there and pull out everywhere else to fit a doctrine, like we said, a belief uh, held by an organization about the best or the right way to do things. 
See, we have to, uh, you know, curtail that a little bit. What did Jesus say? What does the Bible say in the context of us living a holy life? We're not talking about what did the Bible say as far as it's in black and white, because I've heard a lot of people say it's in black and white, so I believe it. Okay, that's good, but get an understanding. The Bible says, and all you're getting, get the an understanding. But no, search the scriptures, study to show yourself approved. Understand what was going on at the time that those scriptures was being written or was written. And to do that type of research. Now, Dr. Google and, and, and Pastor YouTube, they'll tell you something completely different. What I'm telling you, don't take my word for it. <laughs> Please don't take my word for it. Go in the Bible and really read and, and, and do some real commentary research on the background of these scriptures that people are throwing at you daily to try to hold you in subjugation because it's easier for a person to say, I'm your pastor, you do what I say do. If you don't do what I say do, you can lead a church or you're not saved because you're not speaking in tongues and there's no evidence of tongues. Well, those are things that men are seeing, but the Bible tells us, you know, <laughs> man looks at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. So you might not be able to speak in tongues because the gift of tongues wasn't given to you. You might not be able to prophesy because the gift of prophecy was not given to you. You might not even have the, the, the gift of prayer and teaching and praying and preaching because the Holy Spirit haven't given that to you. But you might have the gift of compassion or you might have the gift of empathy that the Lord has given you. So because you don't have all those other things, I mean, it's not a checklist. You know, because God is in the Holy Spirit is working on the talent and the gifts that was already placed in you. So when you have that spirit that comes against you and say, oh, you don't have this, you don't have that, go sit over there until you get it. Or we going to lay hands on you until you get it. You know, can't no man or, or in any any other spirit on this earth indwell that and fill you with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit and God. And if God doesn't say it's, not, it's, it's time yet, it's not going to happen. And so how did that make us feel? Well, the false teachers and the false, false uh, um, um, leaders, what they would do, they would impose what's called spiritual witchcraft on you, mean that they would hold you in spiritual bondage because they would always make you feel as if you owe them for allowing you to sit in their congregation or they would, you would always owe them for, uh, for being with them and they would make you feel as if you, you have to do these things, you have to perform these things, you have to, uh, you have to, uh, Cabal down to them and what they say is law and how are you going to learn be, unless you be taught and how are you going to hear without a preacher. Those are scriptures true and less, but at the same time, there's a certain thing as study 
There's a certain thing as build a personal relationship. There's a certain thing as, you know, find your relationship with Jesus Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to indwell and infill you the, the same way that he indwelled and infilled the, the original apostles. Because the spirit of witchcraft is, is really prevalent in the church, believe it or not. And a lot of people think that, uh, you know, the witchcraft is people walking around with that uh, old lady with the hat on and, and they got the crooked and they got the cat and teeth all knocked out of their mouth and they look all ugly with warts. That's not, that's, <laughs> that's not what it's talking about. See, our words are, are, are forms of witchcraft, you know, and the rebellion of, of, against God's plan for us is witchcraft because what we're doing, we're telling God that we don't need his guidance. We don't need his understanding. We don't need his influence in our lives to, to live according uh, to the way that we want to live. So that's rebellion and rebellion is nothing but sin. And, and when we come under spiritual witchcraft in a church, that means that the influence of that false teacher or that false leader, now he knows your weak spots. He knows your weaknesses now. So now he starts to, uh, or she starts to permeate those things. He starts to, or she starts to bring those things up against you, you know, and they begin to hold you in some type of uh, spiritual bondage, where you might feel that, okay, the Lord is, is, is really uh, breaking curses off your life, that you've been fasting and you've been praying and you've been really uh, believing God for a miracle. You're really, you know, living a life and you're trying your best. <laughs> you try your best to live saved and holy as the Lord and the Holy Spirit gives you. What that does, that, inf that, that influence or uh, false teacher says, well, you ain't got that yet. I ain't seen you speak in tongue yet. Oh, oh well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, uh, you have to keep praying, keep praying. The, the Lord didn't show me that yet. Okay. So <laughs> the Lord didn't show you that, but the, 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 the workings, the inner workings and the feeling and the transform for and a transformation and a renewal through the Holy Spirit in your life is taking place. People outside of you, everywhere outside of you can see change. I mean, they could see the anointing of God on your life. They could see the transformation through the Holy Spirit in your life. But then you have this person telling you, uh -uh, that's not it. That's not it. Go sit down. You need to go pray more. Or you need to come up here. Let me lay hands on you so you can, you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and you can start speaking in tongues. Because that's the only way I'm going to know that you say that you are just in the same board that I'm on, that, that we in the same boat. And when I hear you speak in tongues, that's when I know that you got evidence. That's, that's the evidence. Now, when that happens, what does that make a person do that wants to believe so greatly into uh, to being in a community of believers, especially when you got good music, you got nice, pretty people walking around and you have, you know, all these things they, they have longed for, you know, and they they see all this thing and say, oh, Lord, thank you for sending me to this place. Oh, I love this church. I love this place. I'm going to do all I can to stay here. Now, but now you have, you know, 
the spirit of the false teacher and the, the demonic influences telling you, you ain't got it yet. I need to lay hands on you till you get it. Or you have to go over there uh, in the Terry room until you get it, until you speak in tongues. Now, what's going to happen, the carnality of a man is going to come and say, okay, do I, I don't feel this Holy Spirit. I don't feel this speaking in tongues. I don't, I don't feel that, man, that manifesting in me. So what do I do? I don't want to get kicked out. I don't want to get ostracized. I don't want to get uh, set apart or set aside from where I'm at now. So what am I do? I'm going to fake it. <laughs> so they go to pastor, they go to pastor YouTube and, and they Google speaking in tongues. And what they do, they start practicing. They start practicing and they start practicing these keywords and they start practicing the way it sounds and, and they start understanding how to use the body languages with it. And before you know it, you know, they're ready now because this time when they go to church, they're going to have that evidence. <laughs> they're going to have that evidence and it's going to sound just like everybody else, that, uh, you know, because they didn't learn how to mimic it. But, you know, does that, does that really help them in their growth and their development as men and women of God? No, but to get that, that, that influencer off her back or off his back, they say, oh, okay, I laid hands on them. They got the Holy, Holy Ghost and they got tongues at, at, at the same time. Okay, come on over here. You with us now. And I'm saying all that because being under spiritual bondage happens in, in different ways. It might not happen to you in that way, but when you have to always go to your pastor or your spiritual, like they say, spiritual mother or leader for clarity on some things, it's okay to get that clarity if you have questions about uh, the word of God. If you have questions about, you know, okay, um, I'm having problems dealing with this vice or or this feeling that I have about X, Y, Z. And then that person say, come on, baby, let me pray with you. Or come on, let's fast and pray together. And we're going to break that stronghold off of you. You know, that's when you go to them because now you're working where two or three are gathered and my name I'll be in the midst. Now y'all getting ready to tear down some strongholds. Now, how you gonna go to somebody and instead of them tearing down strongholds off of you, they add strongholds on you, you know? Something is wrong with that picture. And that's where a lot of people in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s felt. And the reason why they felt that way is because what was uh, implemented or established or introduced into the church world or what is called uh, covering theology or what's called the shepherding movement. Now, a lot of people say, well, what is that? Oh, that's, you know, but Jesus is great. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is the Lord and shepherd. But let's talk about this movement that was going on. And a lot of people that's not past their 50s or 60s, you know, that's all they know. They all, that's all that they've known the church to be about is the shepherd movement and the covering theology. And in this book, it gives a great uh, summation of what the shepherding movement is and covering theology. And all of that associated itself 
to the charismatic movement, which um, it happened and started in the 50s and the 60s. And the shepherding movement was uh, a movement where these five or six people got together, six, five or six men got together, and they decided that they were going to form their own type of uh, revelation into what uh, the Holy Spirit does and what it means to be uh, charismatically saved or under the Pentecostal guise. And one of the people that were one of the founding members were called, his name was Derek Prince. Now, if you want to uh, Pastor Google's or uh, Pastor YouTube Summit, Pastor Google or Pastor YouTube Derek Prince and Shepherding Movement, or the, even the Covering Theology, and it will give you a lot of information on the vices of what those two things were. Because right now, what uh, the shepherding, what the, uh, the terms spiritual covering and, and everything that came from uh, the shepherding movement and covering theology, it, it, it's, it's what everyone hears nowadays because in the 80s and the 90s, that's what uh, you hear a lot of people talked about. Okay, who's your covering? Do you have a spiritual covering? Um, who's your overseer? And um, all those things are things that have worked itself into uh, Christianity and the Pentecostal faith and uh, the belief system that we now live up under today. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, uh, that it wasn't good for something. What I'm saying is even its own leaders its own established uh, people that had indoctrinated it into the Christianity had um, renounced it. They renounced it. If you go out and start reading on uh, Pastor Derek Prince, and, and he had like five or six other people that had established this in, in the Christian movement, it, it would tell you that it became uh, a tool uh, to subjugate. It became a tool to make people uh, uh, submit to the authority of, of their leadership. Now, does that sound kind of familiar? Well, yeah, it is familiar because it's still going on today. And so the shepherding movement, it, it, it was tailored with the covering theology and they believed that a congregate was not saved unless they were baptized in Jesus' name and then baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. This is, is taught by many of these believers as spirit baptism. So when you hear these key words, these are, I go into a little more detail with what spirit baptism, the covering theology and the shepherd movement is in the book because it's important to, to know that our faith and our belief in Jesus is, is so important to that. We have to believe in the scriptures. We have to believe in the word of God. And number most importantly, we have to believe that we can have 
a spiritual relationship with, with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, because the, the Holy Spirit comes to, to lead and guide us into all truth. So if, if we have the Holy Spirit spiritually covering us, what do we need a man for? <laughs> that, isn't that just similar to uh, the children of Israel that went and, and said, uh, give us a king so that we can have a king to rule over us? We don't need kings anymore. We don't need those 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 established um, entities to rule over us when we are governed and sanctioned and led by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not saying, okay, you don't need to go to church. This is saying, understand that the church needs to resort back to what is the, the established basic foundations of what our faith is? Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus uh, rose from the dead. Jesus um, sent the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and to comfort us. Jesus did all these things and, and signs and wonders followed the 70 that he sent out. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We have to understand the core essence of what Christianity is and the foundation of who we are as believers, are believers in Jesus, not a denomination, not a, a doctrine, is, is definitely not a, a, a person that gets up there every Sunday and hollering hoop and, 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 and all those things. And then you're held in submission to that person. Because when we are submitting ourselves to that leadership, and I'm going to say this out of love, when we're submitting ourselves to that leadership, that that leadership has all the answers for you, then what about God? You're leaving God out of the equation. We cannot be like the Catholic Church of old used to be, that the Pope or the leader was the only one that could read the Bible and interpret the Bible and could only get a word from God. And we were just to, to obey that. We have to understand what the Pope or the priest says, and that's to be verbatim from God. God has shaken that up through Martin Luther and the Protestant movement. And see, our history is different. And the way that we should connect to God and connect to our church has to be different than the way the Roman Catholic order, the Catholicism and, and the hierarchy of, okay, I'm in charge and everybody up under my pyramid has to obey what I say. And if you don't obey what I say, you're out of order. What order is that? That's man's order. Because God, when, when Jesus sent the 70, he sent them. He said, don't take no food with you. Don't, don't take none of that stuff with you. Because he wanted them to see that, that when they're doing right by the Lord, by God, when they're in obedience, walking in obedience, nothing can be withheld from them. And when they came there, people came to help them because they were being examples and leaders and they were helping the people that were in need by spreading the gospel. That's the church that we wanna be assigned with. That's the church that we wanna grow with because we are helping people out there that's, 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 that 
that's going through situations. We are helping people through the indwelling and infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does not need to be tested or verified by anyone because you know a tree by its fruit. And if, if you're out there and God has called you into leadership or ministry to do something uh, for him, you're going to know if it's actually um, sanctioned by God. And you're going to know by the fruit that it bears. You're going to know if the words that are coming out of your mouth align with God's principle and aligns with the word of God. And if it doesn't align with the word of God and it doesn't align with God's, God's calling and, and, and what he has called you to do then that's when you have to take a seat back and say, okay, I need this. I need to go back and I need to figure, you know, <laughs> did God call me with this? Because what God calls us come without repentance, you know, and what he, he instills with, within us, it's a blessings associated with it. And you can see blessings. You can see peace. You can see uh, the peace of God that, that, that comes through when we're talking, when we're, we're teaching, when we're ministering, when we're evangelizing, when we're preaching, when we're teaching, when we're prophesizing, we're going to see love coming out of that. And that's what Paul was saying is you can have all those things, but the greatest of these is love. If we're not showing love, and somebody's always putting their foot on your neck telling you you're not ready yet, or somebody's always telling you you have to submit to uh, elder this or apostle that or preacher that or teacher that or evangelist that, you know, uh, you have to submit to them, to their authority. Now, you're not, they're not saying the Holy Spirit's authority, they're saying their authority, you know. It's time to reevaluate where you are. It's time to reevaluate if that's the place that's right for you. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you not one, one time or other, you know, to leave that establishment because it's your relationship that you have to find your balance with Christ. It's your relationship with your service that you have to understand, okay, this is not right for me. I need to move forward. Okay, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do in order to draw closer to you and not man. See, once we learn that we have to build that relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit first, then whenever man come against us, we already have the affirmation through the Holy Spirit that he is with us through all things. So a lot of, a lot of times, you know, that gets mixed up in it because, you know, you have the, the spirit of Jezebel, the influence spirit on those leaders that will seduce you, that will entice you to say the right words to you, to get you to have your guards down, to get you to, uh, you know, think that, okay, they, they have all the answers because of how they look outwardly. But on the inside, what, what, is, what fruit are they really uh, um, cultivating with you? What, what way are they really showing you that, that you can grow too, you know, and you don't have to grow with them, that you are just there to be uh, watered, so, so to speak.
because uh, Paul says uh, he plant Apollos water and God gives the increase. So uh, you should be in a church. You should be in an establishment. You should be in a place where you're being watered through the, the through the Word of God, and you're you're growing roots in in your faith, and you're building up those branches uh, of of love and faith and the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit within you, so that God gives the increase down the road when when He says, "I'm saying what God says." It's time for you to move on, press on forward to establish roots, to branch out and, and minister and witness and evangelize to others because you've been poured into enough here and you only gonna know a tree by the fruit is bare. So if you're under a leadership that's always telling you that you ain't ready, you submit to authority, you have to work in my ministry for 10 or 15 years before I see that you have good fruit. Well, what fruit is that? Uh, that's the fruit of servitude? Is that the fruit uh, of subjection? Is that the, the, the fruit of having a stronghold around your neck? And then when that person gets so tired of working up under that leadership, they just fall out and just fall away from God and say, I'm not going to that church no more. How many people? And during the course of this week, uh, I encourage you, ask some of the people that used to go to church, why did they leave? Why did they stop going to church? Why did they stop fellowshipping? And they will all have a story and it won't be about God. It'll, you know what it'll be about? They all have a story about that church did this, that church did that, that leader did this, the pastor did that, the first lady did that. These are the things. That's why I don't go to church no more. Now, they're not renouncing God. Most of them not renouncing God. Most of them still love the Lord. Most of them still want to have a relationship, but they're afraid to come into a, a sanctuary or to come into a, the house of God because they've been burnt. They've been subjugated. They've been spiritually abused, put in spiritual bondage by the leadership, by the people there, by that they've 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 been inflicted with spiritual witchcraft. Did you know that there is a such thing as Christian witchcraft that's going on? That's very prevalent in uh, the churches today. So I encourage you these things. Now I'm not going to Doctor Google with this. I, I'm I'm or Doctor or Pastor YouTube. I am literally finding books on these subjects that I encourage you all spend some time and, and read on how the dynamics of today's uh, church has flipped, has script, has moved uh, progressively away from the acts. The uh, second chapter, the pen their Pentecost, the one accord, the way that they were, the spirit moved in there and they it infilled them and they went out proclaiming the gospel. So many of us don't want to go out and do outreach. So many of us don't want to evangelize or don't even know how to evangelize to anybody that have uh, that don't know anything about Jesus. You know, a lot of people, they see people and they are look at them and they won't even evangelize, say, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. God loves you. I love you. Don't you know that Jesus still has, God has a purpose for your soul. God has a plan for you. You know, they know that in their heart because that's what led them to Christ. 
but they won't tell anyone else because they're afraid that the pastor would get upset with them if they invite somebody to the church that's not uh, saved already or not paying tithes or not paying offering. So we have to really be representatives of love and grace and mercy when we see others. And the false teachings that has permeated into the church today is, you know, we have to be a part of this conference or this uh, denomination or this group, which we begin to become cliquish and clannish within our denomination or cliquish and clannish within our, our walk of faith. And that causes people, because people on the outside could, would very well be able to see when that's going on inside of a church. And the first thing they say, mm -mm, I'm not going back to that church. They too cliquish over there. I sat there all day after service and not one person came up to me to say, God bless you. Or the ones that did come up to say, God bless me. They had this look on their face like they were sizing me up. Now, how many of y'all had heard that? Then that's something to think about. See, we have to exhibit not false teaching, but teachings of love, teachings of mercy, teachings of grace when people come into our churches. It starts from the head. If Joe Snuffy, Reverend Joe Snuffy is standing up there, he got million dollar clothes on, he got this Gucci watch on, he got this, you know, he just looked like he just got through, you know, from a fashion show. And all he's talking and he's really got the gift of gab and he's doing all those things and people are mesmerized by him. And they're taking their eyes off of the, the, the calling, taking their eyes off the message, taking their eyes off getting to know Jesus. Well, then how can you know Jesus when Jesus and the Holy Spirit is fighting against that influence of that, that spirit up there? I mean, the, the people inside the church, they, they, they can't. They can't reverence and seek the Holy Spirit and seek worship and praise deeply in spirit and in truth when they're too busy looking at the flamboyance or admonishing and, and, and acknowledging the greatness of their pastor or their, their leader. You know, then they're only coming to church just to uplift and encourage them. And some people just come to church just because they, he, that they have to come to encourage and make sure that they show their face there. All these are, are indicators of spiritual subjugation, false teaching, uh, false, you know, spiritual bondage. Those are the things that, that we may not see and spiritual witchcraft. We may not understand when we're seeing these things actually happen because it, for the last 50 years, it's been normal. It's been the norm. And it's time to take a step back. I'm not saying leave the church. I'm not saying leave the, the place that you're at. But pay attention to some of the things that are going on. You know, it's, it's shepherding movement, covering theology, uh, spiritual witchcraft, you know, and you have um, false teachings, some of those teachings that use certain scriptures and, and it, and it, 
it starts to tell you what's right and wrong and what's wrong in that one little line. But the whole scripture, the whole chapter doesn't even talk about that one thing. You have to read the whole chapter, read the scriptures above that chapter, that verse, and read the scriptures below that verse to get the right context of it. And if you don't understand, then seek the Holy Spirit. Seek the uh the, the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit to, to reveal to you what that scripture means after you read the verses up front and the verses below. And then if you can't get any revelation from that, then go to somebody that you know is a student of the word of God, is somebody that you know have the fruits and the evidence of the spirit, of, of the Holy Spirit, inside of them and they're walking in a way that you see evidence of change, evidence of holiness, evidence of sanctification. Now, I'm not saying just on Sundays. I'm talking about on Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They have, they're showing it. They're, they're actively walking and, and living according to God's will. You know, it's not easy it's a process. Everyone has a process of maturation, and 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 there's a, a a process to holiness and righteousness that we have to adhere to and walk through every day. So please don't assume anything when people are sitting there with their friend, fancy clothes on and they could speak to speak and talk to talk, but they're not really uh, showing evidence of that fruit, and so. That concludes tonight, but what, um, what I wanted to kind of hit different areas of. There's more in-depth information that goes in more detail of what I was talking about in the book. I didn't want to go through the whole chapters and read verbatim everything, but it does talk about the, the, the tithing. It does talk about the the origin of tithing. What is tithing? We, we just recently heard um, uh, Creflo Dollar talk about he have, had taught uh, on tithing incorrectly and he asked for forgiveness. Well, you know, we forgive him and God probably forgive him too. But there's still accountability that has to go with that. And I'm just saying, in this book, I talk about a tithing and where it comes from. And in the scriptures of the Old Testament, how the Old Testament uh, talks about tithing and the, the, the detailed uh, instructions on tithing that has no relevance on how we tithe today. So, um, I thank you all for joining us tonight. I thank you all for, for everything. And I, again, I say that there are books. It's one book from a person called David Moore on the shepherding movement. And um, that is a really good book that I use as a reference in, in my book. Um, there's another person. Um, I have to get, I'll put all of those books book references um, in my comment section at the bottom when it's all done. But please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. I pray that something that I see um, touches 
and have reached somebody's heart. Again, everything I say is out of the spirit of love. It's not out of damnation or contempt for anybody or anything. All that that the Lord is, is leading me to do through this book is to just um, allow that people have an opportunity to read for themselves some of the things that they are experiencing to know whether or whether or not it's of God. And if it's of God, then happy are you that do it. But if it's something that you see that's not um, of God and not in according to scripture and not according to the context of the scriptures, most importantly, because you're going to find the scripture in the Bible, you're going to find that scripture in the Bible, but the context of why it was written, the context in the background is what's important. And we have to understand those truths in order to know that the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us when we read or when we search the scriptures, because everything that we talk about, some of it is based on experience and, and other times it's based on what we've read or research. So like I say, I encourage you to uh, take the time and, and purchase this book or, or don't purchase it, just go out there and find books on those those uh, topics and read them. And that way you can kind of get a well-rounded understanding. I mean, that's the whole goal of, of us growing in our faith. So thank you so much, everyone. And I thank and God bless you all for joining me. Um, and I want to encourage everyone that, that joined in, if you have any words uh, uh, that you were going to say before we we close out tonight. It'll be, I'm going to allot this time for anyone that has anything to say. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, we're going to continue on and we're going to close out with a word of prayer. Again, um, please feel free to comment on the comment section below and uh, reach out to us via email or via our website, reflectionsofgraceoutreachministries.org, or find us and subscribe on YouTube or listen to us on Anchor Podcast. And we love you and God bless you all. And I pray that something um, kind of resonates and kind of sticks or opens up your heart for discussion. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you, Lord, that you've been so good to us. We ask you, Lord, to strengthen us as we continue forth. We ask you, Jesus, to continue to reveal yourself in our lives. And those that are on the call, ask you to strengthen them and keep them, Lord, in perfect peace. Lord, you know my heart, you know our hearts, that we're coming in love to show and to reveal some of the things that has gone on down through the years that we have took for granted. And we pray, Lord, that you renew our hearts and renew our minds with Holy Spirit so that we can be led and guided into all truth. Lord, as we close this call tonight, we ask you, Lord, to strengthen each home strengthen each person, strengthen each, each individual who 
desires to have a relationship with you and reveal yourself in their hearts and send the Holy Spirit to fill them and comfort them and lead them and, and guide them. We bless your name and we thank you. These and all the blessings we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So God bless you all and thank you all for joining. Again, I love you all. Please feel free to reach out. Um, and you all have a blessed night. Good night. Have a good one. Thanks for having us. Thanks good for night. all the prayers and encouraging words. Well, thank you and God bless you too. God bless. <laughs> good night, everyone.